to the Writer's Box, proudly presented by McDowell's, home of the Big Mick. I am Rylan Grant, screenwriter, Ringo Award-winning creator of fine comics like Aberrant, Banjax, and The Jump. The other voice in the dark, the man in the box to the left is... David Avalone, screenwriter, comic book writer, and uh, drunken reprobate. Love it. If you missed any of our previous conversations, uh, episodes featuring comic luminaries such as David F. Walker, Matt Fraction, Stan Sakai, Kevin Eastman, Cecil Castellucci, John Lehman, and many, many more, our entire catalog can be celebrated via YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, and other purveyors of worthwhile ear cracks. So double on back and check it all out. But as always, we have a great show for you today. Uh, Avalone, go ahead and uh, uh, bring our friends on, huh? Let us bring in our contestants. Bachelor number one, David. Hey. <laughs> what are we? What are we playing Begin. for? Hi, kids. Howdy, howdy. David, hey. tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, I'm David Pepos, uh, Ringo Award-nominated writer of books such as Spencer and Locke and Going to the Chapel at Action Lab, The OZ on Kickstarter, and my new book at Aftershock Comics, Scout's Honor. Thank you guys so much for having me. Always a pleasure. Christy? Yes, uh, I my name is Christy Shen. I am the owner and, I guess, owner of Horror Tour Studios, and I do Demon Bitch, the most disgusting piece of crap ever but uh yeah i do that and i actually draw and write good things too <laughs> and don tell us a little bit about yourself i'm don win uh, a lot of people know me as winning it i'm a storyboard artist comic book artist uh, and designer i created pablo the gorilla jupiter the space pug and i have a kindle number one book called siren song which is an official inktober project written by andy nordval and a uh, Many people might know me from Marvel anime trading cards through Upper Deck or the BLM Skull Fist for Jerry Conway, uh, the Punisher co-creator. Or them t-shirts. Yeah. Help Ugh. me fight copyright infringement. God, yeah. <laughs> copyright <laughs> infringement by violent fascists, which is probably my favorite kind of copyright infringement. <laughs> um but yeah, so we, we called you kids all here together today, and you three in particular, to talk about tabling at cons, something I am particularly uh, not good at. Uh, <laughs> but you're all really way, way, way much better at. Uh, so let's let's talk about that. Let's talk about the process of getting it set up and dealing with the crowds and selling your shit to the masses uh yeah, yeah let, let me let me implicate myself and in, in, in your your terribility uh uh if i can use <laughs> if i can make a word up uh right from the start um i'm i'm also uh, uh terrible at tabling um uh that said i have learned uh enough from uh from these three and and maybe uh, a few others to uh, to be passable but um God, yeah, my first year of tabling, at some point, David Schrader, who writes uh, uh, Baby Badass and who is, you know, pretty good at tabling himself, he just came out to me and he's like, yeah, so uh, you really don't like this, huh? <laughs> 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 and, and I'm like, I'm like uh, uh, what, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you're just like, you know, you're just you're just out to lunch. You're just terrible. At this. <laughs> and, and he was saying it in a loving way. And, and, yeah. and, but but he was he was absolutely right. You know, I'm there. I'm there mostly to kind of like meet and commiserate with uh, with, with folks like you. Uh, it's great to meet the fans. But, yeah, I do not have it in me to uh, be as good at, at this as as you guys are. So uh, so we will tee it up that way. 
<laughs> Anybody wanted to, David, why don't you dive, dive in first? You are the most atomic salesman <laughs> I have ever met. <laughs> at, uh, well, you, you know, I, I, Thank you for, for, for saying that. I mean, I I feel like I still have a lot to learn uh, as far as balance goes because I never leave my table, and uh, that's probably uh, not been great for my career. Um, hey, do you like yeah. Calvin and Hobbes? Hey, yeah, do you I'm like Calvin and Hobbes? Hey, you know, hey, 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 Rylan hey. is, is, is poking fun at me, but that's really kind of my <laughs> process. Is I, um, you know, so much for me about tabling is just about numbers. Um, you know, it's literally, you take the shotgun approach. You never know who's going to buy a book. Um, you know, it's funny because I think a lot of writers out there and a lot of creators, I, sh I should say, um, they, a lot of us are very, you know, introverted, you know, very introspective. Uh, you know, we don't, we, we work in, in this field, so we don't have to interact with people. And the problem is, is that, you know, you want to get your name out there. You want to sell books. You want to, you know, to, to, uh, get on the, uh, on the ground floor running. And so, um, I think tabling, it's a process, you know, just like learning how to create is a process, learning how to, to, to get out there and sell your work is a process and it just takes practice. Um, I know I felt a lot of anxiety at my first few shows. Um, and it was, I, I met a guy named Hoyt Silva, um, who's doing a Kickstarter right now with uh, Gaijin Studios. Um, and seeing him kind of just be so natural and smooth, anytime somebody would come by uh, the table, he would make eye contact. He would say, hey, like, you know, I don't know if you're interested in comics, you know, um, and kind of showed off his work. Um, that made me realize, like, oh, I can't be passive about this. Um, the thing is, I'm not half as smooth as Hoyt. So I kind of go more of the Stan Lee carnival barker route. Um, but I feel like being able to, you know, just kind of reach out. Yeah, there's going to be some people who, you know, they don't like that approach. And that's fine. But my philosophy is they wouldn't be buying the book anyway. Um, you know, and so I think you, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. And so for me, that's my philosophy is just keep taking shots. Um, and just kind of that way you can, it'll fine tune your pitch, it'll fine tune kind of the way you market your book. And um, it really kind of it helps me as a writer just as much as it is as a salesman. Mm. Well, I think that, you know, the, the thing no one teaches you in whatever while you're getting whatever bachelor of the arts you get is that yeah. making the thing is actually the fun part that it's ridiculous that you get paid for selling the thing. Holy shit. Is that the thing that is hard and sometimes borderline impossible for people? And no, you, you can't sit in your garret painting your masterpieces and then go, I'm not showing these to anybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not going to actually try and get anyone interested in this thing because that's beneath me. And it's like, it's really, it's really not beneath you. And some of the great artists of all time have also been incredible salespeople. And that's, that's why you've heard their names. <laughs> that's why you, that's why you know, they exist. Uh, the because they were, they were salespeople. Yeah. I was going to say the sad truth of it all is that I found, and I found this in comics, I found this working um, at CBS, um, is that you could put out the best work possible. And if nobody knows what it is, if nobody's ever heard of it, um, it's just going to collect dust. And so you really owe it to yourself as a creator. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to your team um, to really no one will love your book the way that you love your book. No one will be your best advocate the way that you will. So once you kind of think about that, it really kind of opens you up to saying, all right, like nobody's going to save this book except for me. 
nobody's going to yeah. sell this book except for me. So what, what stops do I have to pull out in order to make that happen? Yeah. I mean, in the, you know, the personal version of that, and it probably has helped me a lot uh, professionally. When I was about 15, I literally went, I'm not pretty enough to be shy. So I'm going to have to drop the whole shy thing. You want to be shy, you got to look like Keanu Reeves. It was, you know, the 80s when I was coming to this conclusion. Uh, so I can't do that, so I'd better be outgoing. And I literally, I had a couple of friends in uh, an English class who were two of the funniest guys I've ever met. And they would whisper funny things under their breath. And I would repeat them loudly. The room would <laughs> laugh. And then I would turn to my friend Paul and say, see, if you had said that out loud, you would have gotten the big laugh. But instead, I got the big laugh. <laughs> learn to say it out loud. <laughs> you know, like, learn to be the loud guy and you will get yeah. the laugh. And when um, in doubt, plagiarize, right? <laughs> right. Well, but I will say, I did always say, that was one of Paul's. He's just shy and he hasn't, he won't say it. Or Paul or Jason were the two of them. It was like, say it loud and be the guy. <laughs> you know, like, that's that's the that's the lesson. Uh, Christy, any thoughts, feelings? Uh, well, you know, you got to really like what you do. Like if you're not 100% by your book, you're going to be like, hey, go buy my book. I, and, but deep down inside, you really don't give a shit about your book. So I like Demon Bitch because it's sort of like it kind of I got to say that it ties into the little bastard part of my personality. And, <laughs> you know, that was largely this. I think it was largely discouraged. Hold on. Speaking yeah, of, we, get we, down we, there. We have, we have um, kitty invasion going on here for the. Oh uh, yeah, he's board dancing me all over. I was like, stop, you know. But uh, the thing is, is that I think like the little bastard part of me was always there. Like I always had this little devilish aspect to me when I was a kid, and my mom didn't like it because I think she knew she's she is very good with her words, and it's well in terms of insulting people. But <laughs> but the thing is, is that she knew that I could troll her. I think. So she largely discouraged that until I discovered that for, like several years ago. And then I decided to just troll her and just troll everybody ever since. And I've noticed like when I would say shocking things, people would actually like them. And I don't mean that I would just say insulting random things to people that didn't deserve it. But I would say everything that was on everybody's mind, like, oh, you want to like read a book that's angry and mean? And they said, what's it about? And I said, it's about some bitch I hate. You want to want to read it? And they're like, like they expected me to, to go in this long cocksucking thing about like how this helped my dark side and everything and this whole meta thing. I said, no, I hated this bitch and I fucking drew her because I wanted to ridicule her because I think she was an asshole to me. And that's all it was. And I think people really liked that coming from me because uh, I, it's like I don't mince words. You guys have known me for a period of time. I don't mince words. You know, if I don't like somebody, if I don't, I mean, I'm not like, I don't go out and say, dude, I want to have that fucker dead because blah, blah, blah. But it's more like, I don't want to be around your ass. Fuck you. And I don't want to have anything to do with you kind of thing. But it's like people like that. And I think a lot of people are kind of shocked at how I express it because sometimes when people express things, they think they have to be rude to do it and they don't need to be. But at the same time, they shouldn't really care about too much what others think. So there's this balance right here. And it also depends if you think that the person is a good person or not. Like for me, I never ever make fun of anybody unless if they've like gone out of their way to screw with me, then I just go like, okay, you, you get it. You get it. And that way it, it comes out much more real. It comes out much more clear and it comes out much more justified. And for me, I just say what's on my mind. And I also think to myself when I'm selling a book, it's like, 
how bored am I going to say the same shit over and over again? So it's like, okay, you want to read a book? So something that makes me laugh like a little asshole, I'll say it over and over again. And then it makes people laugh because they can read it from me a lot of the time. I think it's like, I have this weird ass power. Like if I'm feeling upset or bad, people can feel it around me. It's weird. I know that sounds like a little bit. We were talking about next generation earlier. Yeah. So it's a bit Deanna Troyish a bit, but <laughs> love it, love it. yeah, but it's like, I think everybody has that to a point, you know, like if you feel bad, people are going to pick up on it. Like when I learned sales, people pick up on it. My mom was also the number, like I think the number one realtor for a while in Silicon Valley. So she knew how to sell. So I kind of watched her not necessarily sell, but how she would come out and present herself. And even though I'm very different in the way of how I presented myself, you know, a couple of years ago, it's not that you can't stay stuck in that same presentation. You could change, you know, before I would be more casual. Now I'm like, eh, I'm not going out that much and all that. Like, why don't I just get dressed up fancy or not as fancy as I want? You know, it's what I feel like. Thank you for well, classing up the joint, uh, uh, yeah. uh, by the way. You, you, you and Avalone definitely raising the bar and, and, and shaming the rest of us. Uh, but but <laughs> you, guys look, you guys look wonderful. You look like you're about to uh, uh, attend a, uh, a trendy formal event. Um, and I feel uh, very inadequate right now. So thank you. <laughs> Well, well, I guess it's like your your sweatshirt does look clean, so there's. I just yeah. roll out of bed, so this is yeah. actually a thermal. I don't look too bad. I'm, I, I, I'm yeah, I'm somewhere in between like you and Peppos, I think, so I don't feel too bad. But uh, I mean, but, like everybody did this whole thing of self discovery and all that, and I did that too. But I also discovered heels, so hey, there you go. <laughs> what what you were just saying though, Christy, I think gets to the root of something important, which is in all of the independent arts film, music, whatever, 90% of what you're selling to an audience, I think, is sincerity, is that you believe in the thing that you, and Dave Peppo said it a little bit too, you believe in the thing, you did the thing because you loved it, not because you were picking up a paycheck for it. Yeah. As someone who occasionally picks up a paycheck, I think if you're, if you're any kind of creator with any kind of self-respect, even when it's the biggest hack job in the world you go like okay what's my way into this how can i make this something that means something to me no matter what the assignment is yeah. but when it's your own thing man you better be behind it 100 percent. or what the hell are you even doing and i have seen people at cons try to be a little bit aloof and you know standoffish about their work and it it doesn't it doesn't work you 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 really have to be I have absolutely bought stuff from people who were like glancing through the book. I was like, yeah, this is mediocre, but they were so passionate about it and so excited to sell it to me. That was like, what is it? It's five bucks. I'll, you know, I'll pay five bucks for this. I'll take it home. I'll recycle it when I'm done. <laughs> but you know, it's, uh, it, it's their thing and they care about it. And it's, you're, you're buying their enthusiasm and their love. You know? Yeah. And, and, and in a more general sense, I think what everybody is getting at is that you, you know, con floors are huge, right? Um, you go into an artist alley and you have dozens, hundreds uh, of people who all made this thing and they all believe in this thing and, and they're there wanting you to buy it, wanting you to sell it. And you walk in and it is easy to... Um, I don't know. It is easy to feel like, um, God, I don't even know what the word uh, is it, but uh, for it is, but like, but you know, everybody wants that dollar out of your pocket, right? If you're, if you're a fan walking in and, and there's so much noise 
right? And so what we're talking about here is finding a way to stand out from the crowd one way or another. And I think I think sincerity, honesty, um, is the is probably the best way, right? Because there's actually some substance behind it, right? Um, but it is also, I mean, uh, 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 you know, Christie is Christie is half. Uh, it, it's half honesty and sincerity, uh, and and I think maybe that's what you uncover when you actually then sit down and talk to her. But but perhaps right off the bat, it's the shock value. You know, again, like she will she will punch you in the face with something. You know, with 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 something uh, with, with some words, with some thematics, with a joke, with whatever. Uh, and and you know, I've been at that table, and everybody wants to walk right by the table. And 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 onto the next thing, onto the next panel or whatever, and getting them to stop is very difficult, right? Uh, 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 Christy can hit you with a joke from twenty yards away, and it is so good and it's so disarming that you can't help but stop and wander over. Um, uh, Pepos, um, you know, you make another Star Trek reference. Like Pepos is the starship with a very powerful tractor beam. You know, <laughs> people are walking by, and you know, hey. Hey, you know, it's, it's eye contact. It is disrupting that flow. It is disrupting that, that will to walk away. And, and, you know, I mean, I I just sit there and I, I I mean, I I often don't have the energy for it. I don't, and, 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 you know, in fact, I do best as like, as one of those tiny fish that like feeds off of the larger, the scraps that the the larger fish uh, (laughs) uh, coughs up. Yeah. 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 Because my con days will be, will be terrible, but, if I'm next next to Pepos and I'm often next to Pepos, yeah. uh, we, we become this like we become this kind of beautiful tag team where we can kind of feed off of each other, and and and, and, and he he can pull guys in and, and 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 then and then they'll buy his book and then they'll buy my book too. I guess uh, you know maybe I'm a uh, you know maybe I'm just a dirtbag that way, but uh, but but we can kind of kick customers back and forth. And chances are, if people like his books, they'll like my books. It becomes this thing. But but for me, my tractor beam is is often. Um, uh, you know, again, there's so many, um, it, there's so much work out there. It, uh, half of it looks exactly the same. 80% of it looks exactly the same, right? It's hard to tell the difference, but, um, but I have, uh, over the years, I am known for my kind of crazy variant covers. Um, I just grabbed a couple off the, uh, the wall. That's why you saw me uh, disappear from the video feed for a while, but here's my, this is my aberrant, uh, weekend at, at Bernie's variant that was just, uh, released, uh, by pop cult. HQ, uh, you can still get that over there. Uh, the the Ringo Awards uh, 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 celebratory variant. This is my uh, my Banjax uh, Dory's Tavern Gremlins variant. Um, and you know they they always kind of make a splash. They give they give a uh, uh, nobody wants to write about your book. Nobody wants to pick up your book. Nobody wants to give it a chance, right? And so when you do things like this, and there are a million different things like this, it gives people a reason to stop and look, right? It gives a, it gives a journalist a reason to write about it. Hey, look at this, look at this crazy thing that this idiot did. The, um, uh, I, I did a, uh, I, I did a, an aberrant, uh, coming to America variant that got me written up in IO9. Uh, IO9 never in a million years would have take, taken a look at my book if I had not made that, that crazy, uh, uh, movie reference. But I see it on the con floor where again, I, I am, I am not, the person like Christy who's going to hit you with the perfect joke to bring you in. I do not have the, the drive that Pepos has to lasso people and pull them in with words, but I can sit there and my table is set up with all these crazy variants and people will want to walk by. And then I see them do the double take, you know, they're, they're walking on by and they're like, Holy shit. Is, is that weekend at Bernie's, you know, and then and they, it, it disrupts that flow for a minute. 
they come, they stop, and they're like, wait a minute, Gremlins. Wait a minute, Rocky Four. Wait a minute, fucking Elf. You know, and it's it's all these things that they love, and it starts a conversation. Oh wow, you're a Rocky Four guy too. Let's talk about Rocky Four for five minutes, ten minutes, and then they're buying the book. You know what I'm saying? And so, uh, so I think finding a way to stand up, uh, stand out in the crowd any way possible, uh, uh, finding a way to to disrupt that 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 urge, that desire to uh, to to walk on by is is key, and that's kind of what we're all getting at and talking about. Yeah. Well, well, well and I. I I was going to say, I think Don uses basically a similar thing that you do, Rylan. It's the, is eye-catching visuals. It's, uh, you know, I don't, we should let, you know, Don, what's, what, how, how do you get people to stop at the table? Uh, my best gimmick is that everybody mistakes me for Dustin Wynn, even though <laughs> we're not related and I look nothing like him. Uh, so that's, that's been my number one seller. But, uh, you know, I do, you, do, you, do you sign, do you sign autographs as Dustin? No, I do not. But if he's at the same convention, I am his personal concierge, and I will walk people over to his table. Uh, nice. So that's how we actually got to know each other. Uh, yeah. People uh, people always mistake me for Justin Thoreau. It's a, it's this weird thing that I've always said. So it's just uh, it's okay. Yeah. I, I, people yeah. confuse me for Sandra O, oh, and I'm like, I look nothing like her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, yeah. but I, I just like whatever. I was on a set, and somebody said, "Hey, look!" Sam, one of my friends said was fucking with some people, and he said, "Hey, look." Hey, everybody, here's Sandra. I'm like, I'm going to fucking kill you in a minute. <laughs> mm -hmm. like, Hi, Sandra. I'm like, oh, my God. Love it. Uh, I do think that, uh, you know, as artists, Christy and I have a little bit easier. I obviously am on brand, and I have a banner uh, with a pretty lady on it. And so, you know, that's one of the ways to get people to stop by. Like Rylan was saying, you definitely want to have eye candy. And as an artist, that's our job is to produce as much eye candy as possible and that will bring people to the table. But, you know, I've, I've picked up a lot from everybody here and from people that you meet at uh, cons, like your neighbors. Uh, and you have to watch to see what people are doing well out there. Uh, you know, like Chrissy said, you have to be honest. You have to enjoy what you're doing. And I think, I, we, you know, we can all say that we love what we're doing or else we wouldn't be doing it because we're not, like, stinking rich from it. We're not making a ton <laughs> of money. But uh, yeah. it, it brings so much joy and enrichment um, that I, you know, as as a creator, I can't help but to promulgate that idea and like propagate and put it out there. Like, you know, I am as enthused about anything that I'm part of, uh, and I want to bring that energy. And I think, you know, if you watch Christy, you can see the energy that she brings. Uh, if you come to my table, listen. If I'm not selling you on something, I'll probably be shouting out to cosplayers that walk by or trying to get uh, people's attention. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's a numbers game. You know, that's why Dave Peppos, uh, you know, you see him at his table and he's doing the pitch. Like he's pitching and the pitch, like if you can bring one person to your table and pitch them, that pitch will be heard by the five or six people walking by at the same time. And then before you know it, you have a crowd at your table, which is ideal. Like that's what you want is one person getting the pitch other people listening to it going, hey, what's that about? And then coming and just sort of standing there silently, like looking through your stuff mm -hmm. as they're absorbing your pitch. And they may not even buy your book. They may, you know, you know, Christy and I have other products. We do pins, uh, I have stickers, uh, I do art commissions. And, you know, the big ticket items for me are uh, art commissions. So I'm hoping, you know, if you don't pick up my $5 comic or $30 anthology or whatever it might be that you come by at least, and look at the artwork and I can sell you on commission. And you know, at the end of the day, 
what clears out my table cost is racking up a ton of commissions. Yeah, and there's a, there's there's an interesting point there, Don, that you're making is um, it, it's uh, you may not sell something to them that moment, right? Yeah. Um, but it becomes a matter of brand recognition down the line, right? I I don't I don't have the statistic in my head right now, but there is a statistic that exists that says uh, uh, that um, basically a consumer has to you know has to be made aware of a brand like five or six times before it. Becomes I think it's like, actually seven times. Is it seven times? That's the number. Yeah, I, so my wife took a marketing course once, and they were like. Someone hands you a flyer. She used to produce burlesque shows. It's like someone hands yeah. you a flyer. You see the ad in the newspaper. You read a review. You see someone post about it on Facebook. You see a tweet about it. It's like the seventh time that it becomes. It's not. So, it's the. It makes the thing real to you. Like you don't it's believe it's thing. a thing. It's like ah, there's a one-off. I've never heard of it. It's like oh, it got reviewed in the LA Weekly. Oh, it got this. Oh, it's that. Oh, it's. And it's that thing of human beings need something to be pre-approved yeah. in a way it's the same thing with studio executives preferring it to a pitch it's because it's like well i won't lose my job because some publisher liked this so yeah. if they say why the hell do you like this crazy idea you can say well look it's a it's a book they paid this guy to make this book though they're not wrong are they you know and that and and i think the the other thing that you're selling at the con and I've seen this, I've had, I've been lucky to see, you know, Eastman deal with his trillion fans up close. And what he's selling them is he is incredibly giving of his time and energy. He can have a line with a trillion people on it and he will absolutely listen to your story about the first time you saw a Turtles cartoon. Like he will sit mm. there and listen to you for 10 minutes and then his wife will <laughs> nicely, you know, say, come on, Kevin, we got, we got, we got a thousand people here. But that the way that translates into a fan for life that you gave someone your time, yeah. that you and you know I don't have a thousand times, so I'll I'll talk to someone for a half hour, you know, like I've got yeah. I got nothing better to do. Um, and as a writer, it is a little more challenging, and you do have to work harder because you're not selling commissions. You're not. You've just got the table of stuff you wrote. Uh, my eye catching thing is that I've written some licensed characters so my wife very nicely made me a banner with elvira and betty page and zorro and doc savage and the shadow on it so i can say look at all of the million dollar enterprises that have trusted me to not fuck up their thing <laughs> you know and that alone has that as a like it's like no this isn't this isn't zorro fan art i they i wrote a zorro thing for real guys i did it's true um and that's you know, you see it in Artist Alley a lot with people who all of their art is fan art of licensed things. And I always want to say to them, okay, show me the thing you made. Like, this is great. You drew an amazing Princess Leah. Awesome. Now show me the character that, that you did. And some of them don't have that. Some are like, no, I'm just here selling my beautifully rendered prints of things other people created, you know? I've heard um, from Society of Illustrators, I forgot the person that was saying, it's like spend all the time that you would drawing fan art of other things into stuff that you do. And it's kind of funny because it's like, if it's not, as I said before, if it's not fun for me, I don't do it, right? And I have to say, I have a, like a little asshole sense of humor. I did mention that and I start laughing at very filthy things because I have a horrible sense of humor too. Very twisted sense of humor. Um, sometimes like I look at marketing like this, like some people are like, 
I don't like marketing. It makes me feel like a hoe and I don't really like it. And I feel like I'm selling. I said, okay. So sometimes I'll put it in a way that makes people kind of laugh, but I've noticed that if you amuse people with learning and how they learn, they actually absorb it better. And sometimes if you kind of go lowbrow, like when you were talking about, oh, you give them the thing to kind of show that you did the thing or whatever. For me, it's like, you kind of have to look at it like passing an STD along. Not that I've done this personally, but you got to think about it. Like, you know, you're getting hot and heavy. It looks real good, but you don't know what you're getting. So it's like, you know, oh, why don't you take a card? And that card can go somewhere else or that postcard. So I always make it a point to give them a piece of material to hold onto. Because, yeah, they can say, oh, I love her pitch and everything. But if you don't have anything physical to take away aside from my book or my stuff, you're not going to remember me. It's like, oh, yeah, that thing, the thing. and But you don't have a link to the thing. Like for me, I try to think of funny stuff. Like when I started doing Cove Thick 19, by the way, just here it is right here. It just like people were just doing dummy thick shit. And I just said, you know what? I kind of thought that was funny. So I just drew this fucking thing with like big tits and an ass and with little protein receptors everywhere. And um, yeah, and it, it was a new line called sick, but I have a QR code in here and that's on the bottom of every pin. And like, I'll pass out my business card. I know some people are like, oh, that person might have your number, my number. I'm like, well, if they turn out to be an asshole, you can block them. Right. Phones you, my, my, dad, my dad in the 70s when he had, you know, dozens of paperbacks on the shelves at any given time, he made a business card, <clears throat> a little oversized business card with the titles of all of his Ed Noon mysteries on them. And he would literally just leave them places. He would go to a restaurant and he would leave three of them by the phone. He would, and I, did he sell any books? I have no idea, but I saw him do that my entire childhood. And it was just that thing. It was that marketing thing of like, they saw the card, maybe they threw it out. Maybe they glanced at it, but the next time they were in a, it's the 70s. So I'm going to say Walden books. They were yes. like, Oh, that's that business card. I saw when I was trying to get to the payphone. At the yeah, Red Lobster, maybe I, you know, maybe I should read one of these. Yeah, and, and, and we're back to this whole idea of kind of building a brand over time, building recognition over time. And I've I've seen it happen firsthand uh, with cons, where again somebody comes up to the table that that first time, and maybe you don't make a sale that time, but you have a nice conversation, you have an intro, and then that person recognizes you at the next con, or 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 similarly uh, uh, panels, which we all do and we all do together. Um, that, that ends up being a huge sort of building block in this, like, you know, uh, uh, six interactions, uh, in, in terms of, you know, in terms of, of building your brand, uh, in their mind, because, you know, I mean, I was the guy in the panels, uh, like in, in the crowd at panels for a really long time. And so, so I know it's like, you sit there with somebody for an hour and they tell you your philosophy on comics, uh, uh, and they kind of pitch their book in an interesting way. And then you check the book out and, and, and sooner, you know, and then, you know, after an hour, like you've kind of hit three of those, uh, th those seven touchstones already, you know what I'm saying? Um, and so this builds over time. And so I'm, I, I'm seeing it now. I mean, I've been doing, you know, con panels, uh, I've been doing cons for, you know, five years now or something like that. And, um, and I'm still seeing them trickle in, you know, somebody that I met at my first con ever who just kind of wandered up to a table and, it seemed like I was never going to see this person again. They're now contributing a hundred dollars to pop to my Kickstarters, you know? Um, uh, and, and, and that's really interesting how that kind of builds over time and, and, and how you kind of, you build this brand, you build this loyalty with your, your, your customers. But then 
I mean, something that you guys touched on also was that like these people become, they become friends, they become allies. You know, if, uh, if you can give somebody a couple of minutes of your time, it can be, uh, you know, it can be, be key. I mean, it was something that I, it was something that I committed to with the panels very early on. Um, you know, years ago, I was the person sitting in a panel trying to figure out how to make my own comic book, right? And I saw a ton of panels and some of them were great and some of them were terrible. Uh, and I sat through a shit ton of them and eventually I was able to kind of, you know, get the right information, get it all together and put it in a nice package. Uh, and that allowed me to make my first book. Um, but I was then sitting on all of this information and I knew all of these people who had the right information, some of them sitting with me right now. Um, and I thought it, that it was selfish to kind of hold on to it myself, right? Um, and so I thought it was kind of my duty, my karmic duty to sort of pay it forward. And so I started, you know, I, I made relationships with all the, with all the cons in, in my area and I started putting on panels myself and, and started putting people like you on my panels, uh, you know, to, to teach people, uh, uh, how to publish their first book, how to run a successful Kickstarter, uh, how to, how to get a web comic going, you know, and, and on and on and on. It's been literally hundreds of panels at this point. Um, and, uh, and the purpose was in, to inspire people to create their own books. Everybody has an idea. They just don't know how to, you know, get it into book form and get it out there. Right. And it's half the reason we're doing this podcast. We're doing the same thing. It's part of that same mission. But what I discovered is that I would say at the end of the panel, look, uh, if you have questions, if you need to talk about something, we're going to be standing right out there, meaning right outside the, the con hall uh, for, you know, 15 minutes, a half hour, an hour afterwards. Uh, you can come see us at these tables afterwards. Uh, if you have a question, if you want to talk about something, come find us, come find me, come find, you know, uh, Pepos, come find Don, whatever. Um, and, 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 and we're a resource for you. And that, and that happens, you know, we, we see that our panels all the time. We step outside the hall and there are 10, 15, 20 people waiting for us with, with good, serious questions. And, and, and what I would find is, you know, there would be people who would come up to me and they have, you know, they have a, a, a like a, a tablet. And they're like, um, I, I made this and I don't know what to do with it now. I don't know how to get it out there. Right. And I'd give them a card with an email address on it. And, you know, I'd sit there and talk to them for 20 minutes, half hour, whatever about, you know, Hey, this is what you need to do. Here's my card. If you have other questions, email me. And, and, and I would sort of strike up, you know, friendships with these people who are, they're just on the same path as us. Right. And, and, and at that point in time, I had a little wisdom to impart. Um, but you know, now five years later, I'm starting to see, you know, these people, their books are being released by major publishers now. <laughs> and it was a book that, you know, I, I, I helped this much uh, on, you know, just help them kind of like, you know, whatever, find the next person to talk to or, or, or take the next step or whatever. But now all of these people are working fucking professionals, like, you know, who, 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 who are now paying it forward themselves. And um, uh, you just never know who is going to be the next important ally in this fight, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's the theme of all of these things is that, we win or lose in this game together, right? You know, this this can't be a, an individual pursuit. Um, and so I think giving that time, being that generosity, karma is real. It gets paid forward later, right? And, I, and, and now all of these people are helping me. Go ahead, I think, sorry. I think also to, to piggyback off what you're saying, and I think this is a, a common misconception that a lot of creative people have, especially in comics where it's sequential, it's sort of month to month, it can sometimes feel almost a little disposable, you know? Um, but the thing, especially in comics, is you're, you know, when it, you're not working in, in the moment, you have to think of the long game. 
um, every time you're doing a pitch, you're not just pitching your book, you're pitching to make a fan. And sometimes that means you make a pitch and the person doesn't have the money or they say, well, I've got a budget. And the thing is, if you just kind of softball them, you're, you're like, oh, well, they're clearly not going to buy it. It becomes self-fulfilling. Whereas yeah. if you pitch them saying, even if you don't buy it now, if you remember me, if you buy it in the future, if you, for me, what happens a, a lot of times at cons is I will pitch a lot of people in the first day who won't buy, but they'll come back on day two or day three. Like right. if you, if you kind of bring your A game, it'll stick in their brains. And to be honest, they'll have uh, almost the opposite of buyer's remorse. Um, that'll be sort of la- not buyer's remorse um, where they'll be like, Oh man, that pitch sounded really good. I really, Maybe yeah, I, I'll I'll do that, um, and so th- that's the thing that I would always impart on people, especially if they think they're struggling with trying to make sales at cons, but also even just you know the way that, you know pitching books to publishers in general is, you know, a, a a a setback can be temporary as long as you sort of give it your A game. Yeah. Um, if you give up midway through, if you think this is never going to happen, it will never happen, and so you just got to kind of keep keep pushing for success, keep visualizing and imagining that success. Um, and, you know, you sort of, you kind of fake it until you make it. Um, and I think that, but I think, I think, you know, it's never just one sale. That's the thing. And if you treat it like, no, I'm selling myself, I'm selling, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get a fan, mm-hmm. then it really kind of changes the game of the way that you pitch. Yeah, we're in a game of inches and you're just trying to win every inch, quarter inch. <clears throat> foot that you can't and you know like what christy was saying i had a customer recently buy pablo online and they messaged me and they said hey i randomly just rediscovered uh your card because i always have these little square cards that are just like my instagram uh daily doodles and i would just every year i have a different set of them this person i found your card and i looked you up and i didn't realize that you're doing all this stuff and i just wanted to say hey and uh, support you and it's exactly what chris is saying people just hand them something to remember you by and you know like david was saying and you guys have all had this experience cons are usually not a one-day affair it's two or three days people come to scout on that first day mm-hmm. and then they come back on you know the second third fourth <clears throat> day to do a lot of their shopping and usually like the biggest buy days for stuff that you have on your table is that last day which is like a sunday sometimes or a saturday and you know for commissions your commissions start like usually the second day they do the rounds they try to figure out who's affordable and who's doing a style that they like and they'll come by and pick it up so yeah always always think about the con itself as a stretched event Uh, try to bring energy every day to that and then just think about your brand you know like david was saying it's it's approval by committee right like they want to see you part of projects all the time and, you know, that's like one of the biggest things, you know, in, in talking to Dustin Wynn, every time I would see him, he's like, hey, <laughs> do, you have, do you have anything out? Like, what are you doing? What are you up to? And that really lit a fire under my ass to be like, I need to just put work out. And so once you get into that mode and people see you doing work, it almost is like work begets work, right? Oh, like you're, you're putting stuff out. People see consistency and quality and they'll look to you uh, to produce. And um, I want to pony off of that too. You can't be inflexible. Like there's certain patterns to cons that, you know, oh, first day people don't buy, blah, 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 blah. Now 
they all have a certain pattern, which is true, but I've seen patterns break a lot for different people. So it really depends on what it is. So you kind of have to be open to that. Secondly, like if a person doesn't buy for you for a specific reason, let's say if you're an artist and you're <clears throat> selling commissions and no one gets your commissions, but they're buying your books, that doesn't make it that you're a crappy artist. Cause I, I kind of had to go through this stuff. It's like, you know, I've been told, Oh, your work is great, blah, blah, blah. And, but they wouldn't buy it. But then I, they buy the demon bitch books or the things. And I'm saying like, okay. So, I mean, I really don't get that many in commissions, but when I do, they're big ones. So it's like, you kind of have to kind of be on keen what's for you. It's like, do I do a bunch of quote unquote, $10 or $30 ones, or do I just do one big one and I'm good for a while? I mean, and I'm not, dissing anybody either way but it's like <laughs> i'm telling people i'm telling people like you know it's going to work out for you how it's going to work out but don't accept like the worst is going to work out for you because that's not how it works out like maybe it'll evolve that way maybe it won't like for me as an artist it evolved to where i could charge x amount for a big commission that's because you have a skill set and you're into it sometimes people think okay you know it's x amount of dollars for this I've seen that both in really big time comic artists and artists to people that are starting out. So, I mean, it's interesting. It's like, you kind of have to be flexible and it's kind of weird because like as a writer or an artist, it's kind of an emotional thing. We just tap in our emotions, we ferret them and we funnel them and we put them out there, but we also have to be the mastery of them, which is like, okay, we feel bad that this didn't happen, but what can we do to kind of make the thing that we want to have happen? It's just, we can't, focus on the how so much. And I'm not saying like, don't put, don't have a game plan or anything. It's just what I've noticed as myself as an artist. And the fact that I have just kind of a different thing going on a lot of the time. So it's kind of weird to kind of go through my own path and you're dealing with like issues of, you know, per, I'm pretty sure all you guys have done it. Everybody has like issues of jealousy, issues of inferiority, all this other crap. And like, what if I don't make it? And sometimes you kind of have to find that inner thing for yourself and be very aware of what you're doing. It's about you. It's all about you. And I urge that for a lot of artists because what they think is all about them is like, they just go like, I'm not, I, I, I can't talk to people. I have genuine anxiety and it's like, okay, but you're going to have to, if this is what you want to do, you're going to have to pick it up. doesn't mean that you're going to go and jump in like Peppos. You could be, you're not going to be like me. You're not going to be like Don. You're going to do it your own way. And that's why sometimes like with David and you and you, Ryland and David, it's like, don't be so hard on yourselves. It's sort of like I've, you know, if you know, Lonnie Millsap, he's really low key. He's like a big, tall dude. And he does cartoons for New York, for the New York, uh, the New Yorker, excuse me. Sorry. He's never going to forgive me about that. But, you know, he would always be like, here, take a card. Like he would talk to people, but he wouldn't have to be this. Like sometimes it oh, doesn't yeah. come across as real. Like sometimes you just got to find your own way. As long as you interact with people, it's fine. I mean, there are times that I go to a convention depending on the size. And again, it I have to kind of feel the room, but there are times like I've done the thing like, Hey, what's up? And nobody comes. And I'm like, all right, I'll sit down and I'll draw. When I pretend like no, I'm kind of like not paying attention to anybody, people start coming up. It's not a set formula all the time. That's also no, what you, I want to put you, out there. You absolutely, you have to be adaptable. And, you know, I joke about being terrible at tabling, but honestly, it's like, that doesn't bother me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. because if I did what Pepos did, I would be insincere. Yeah. Like I couldn't sincerely <clears throat> do that. It would make me feel 
that doesn't mean David shouldn't do it. It doesn't mean right. anyone else shouldn't do it. But yeah. me selling that hard, I would go like, oh, I can't fucking, uh, you know, it just, <laughs> I have to be me. And me is sitting at the table being me and just engaging you, with people that come up and saying, hey, do you like this? And it's, and it ultimately, I feel like if you're comfortable in your own skin and doing your own thing, that's really, that's really all you can do. And also look like, I'm not tabling at San Diego. Like I'm not tabling where I've got a $3,000 investment I got to pay off. Yeah. yeah. So the stakes are super low for me. <laughs> you know, it's a very different thing, but for me it is absolutely about making the connection with the fan for life. And the the, the I have a perspective on this that might be unique because of my dad. I'm a, I'm, I joined a bunch of, uh, I sell my dad's books on Amazon. Uh, they're all out of print pretty much, except as eBooks on Amazon. And in order to help that process, I tweet out quotes from the books. I do a lot of promotion for them. And one of those promotions is joining every like, you know, pulp literature of the seventies Facebook group. And I cannot tell you, it's literally like about every two weeks someone I have never heard of or never met before says, I met your, I talked to your dad for 10 minutes at a con in Ohio in 1975 and he was the greatest guy and I love him and I still read all of his books and give me a link to the Amazon thing. And you know, what is it? It's maybe a 99 cent sale of an ebook, but my dad's warmth and personality is literally selling books from beyond the grave. <laughs> like yeah. that that's how I mean but it's worth noting that's how powerful a personal connection with a fan is that these guys who their dad took them to a con when they were 12 are like oh I met your you know your 65 year old dad at a con once and he was really nice to me and he drew a doodle in my book and I've never forgotten him and I still think about him sometimes and it's like when you create that experience it's you know, the negative version of it, the negative cliche of it is the hipster version. I was into you before you were famous. But people love the personal connection to the art they enjoy. And the, they love being in a comic book shop and pointing at your comic and going, I met that guy. He was really great. Because it makes them, it gives them a shred of connection to something great. You know what I mean? It's that, oh yeah, like everybody who meets a celebrity and has a good in experience with them treasures that experience. And yes, you know, there's the expression comic book famous. I wouldn't even think I'm comic book famous. I'm somewhere beneath comic book famous. But for some people, I'm their connection to that world and that thing they loved, be it Elvira or Betty Page or whatever. And, uh, you know, that's, Part of what what you're selling at con is at cons is this person who is a stranger to me whose name I've seen on stuff that I liked took me seriously as a human being and looked me in the eye and listened to what I had to say and man if you do that you have <laughs> it almost doesn't matter if they love your work or not because you treated them like a human being and uh, well, ultimately. And, and you can also hear, you hear people talk about the creator that didn't treat them like a human being. I've heard people say that about famous comic book people that were shitty to them in 1980. 
Mm. And like, yeah, I met that guy at Creation in 1980 in New York, and he was a jackass, and I would never buy his comics. And like, you know, because the guy was rude to them for 10 seconds, you know, once. So you always want, if at all possible, with whatever sincerity you can bring to bear, to make that experience that they're having uh, a special thing that stays with them. You know, and we've we've talked about this a little bit, but let me hit it right on the head. I mean, I think that there are other things to accomplish also while you're tabling. We've talked a lot about you know selling your book, uh, uh, um, connecting with the fans. The other thing, the other thing that's happening is you know us. You know, the the five of us are so close uh, because we we tabled together because we were in the trenches together, right? I mean, it's a uh, it is it's um I mean it's a it's a bad comparison, but it's like we, you know, whatever, we, no. we went to war together, right? Uh, uh, you know, we, we, we fought in those trenches together and, um, and we had this shared experience and, and in a lot of ways it's this terrible experience, right? But it, uh, um, you know, but it, it, it gives birth to, to kind of friendships and, uh, and, and it is, uh, it is the ultimate sort of way of like networking in this, uh, you know, in this business, I think. Um, it is, it really is. I mean, I can't emphasize enough, if you're starting to table, be a good neighbor. Uh, I know David is joking about being the carnival barker. He really doesn't do that. He's just enthusiastic about the product. But there is an actual carnival barker style where you're just like berating people that pass by your table. and that's Yeah, that's the worst. Highly, yeah, that's highly frowned upon. So don't actually be that type of a carnival <laughs> barker. But, you know, like Christy was saying, and, you know, this is one of the things I learned from Christy like early on in meeting her is be honest uh, and, and bring the energy that you would bring yourself and try not to be something that you're not. If you're low key, you know, you can still love what you're doing and be low key. Mm -hmm. uh, and if, you know, you're kind of a loud mouth like me sometimes, then, you know, you can bring that energy, but maybe tone it down a little bit as to not scare the children. And then, uh, you know, a couple other things to think about too is what's on your table. Uh, Ryland, you were talking about it, and variety really is the spice of life at a con, right? Like when you come to somebody's table, you don't want to just see one of the same thing. And if you come to my table, for example, I, I learn from uh, my neighbors and other people who have done it for way longer and way better than I have is have that variety. So I have stuff, you know, like Christy was talking about, I will do original uh, five-minute sketch cards that are only five bucks all the way up to like two, three hundred dollar commissions. Um, you know, I have my comics on the table. I have, you know, uh, buttons and pins, and those are all at various price points. Because at the end of the day, what you want to do is get people to your table, and like David is saying, make a lasting impression. Uh, with you know, they'll come back and find you. You know, like one of uh, my very first commissions was at Rose City Comic Con, and that guy who is a great dude, uh, Justin Marcello, shout out to him. He runs a tree uh, cutting service. Uh, he's an arborist, and he came back and had me design a logo for his company. And that was like two years later. So you never know what relationships you're building. Uh, and if you do it right, those hopefully will be lifelong relationships, lifelong allies uh, and benefactors that will come back to support you uh, because they enjoy the work and they enjoy you as a person. And that's, I think the best thing that you could ask for uh, in our industry. And thankfully I've been very lucky to meet a lot of my heroes. I haven't had a lot of the experiences that David's talked about, 
And I think our, our community is made up of a lot of good people uh, just looking to support each other and, and build and look, you know, I know, you know, a lot of us do compete and we have a competitive edge and spirit, but at the end of the day, I think we love seeing our friends be a part of big projects. Um, or I just love meeting people doing amazing things like David, you're on fire uh, with the OZ, which is an amazing book. And, uh, you know, Scout's Honor is like on everybody's lips right now. So congratulations to you. Thank you. Uh, David Abalone is, you know, the drawing blood thing. And I feel like, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm like, I guess what he knows Kevin Eastman, which is insane. And, you know, you guys all have been a part of really fantastic projects that are Ringo nominated or nominated for other awards even. And just to be in that company and, like, learn from you guys is such a privilege. Uh, and I relish that fact, like, every day I'm a part of this. Even though the pandemic has sort of put a kibosh on the con experience, uh, you know, we're still searching and looking for other means to for outreach. Uh, well, it's a, it, it, it's a good transition there, Don. So, I mean, uh, uh, COVID has, you know, has just shut down the whole con community. I mean, there there is, tabling can't happen right now. We're sitting here talking about tabling, but none of us have, have done it in, in, in a full year now, right? Uh, yeah. So what is, you know, what is taking the, the, the place of that? How are, how are you guys uh, filling the void? How are you coping? And, and Pepos, I'm, I'm particularly interested to hear from you because you are, you are in the throes of, of promoting uh, selling Scout's Honor right now. You have this, uh, this book that is a, a major release with, uh, with Aftershock comics, comics and, and you don't have like one of the more useful tools in your, in your bag right, yeah. right now. So, so well, um, let's talk about it. Yeah. You know, there, there are a lot of things that I, I think anybody who hasn't kind of reevaluated their plans during the pandemic, they're either naive or they're lying to you. Um, and there's, you know, for me, um, there are a lot of things that I've been doing over the last year to kind of pivot a little bit towards a more digital landscape. Um, I'm always pretty active on social media, although I'm finding new ways to kind of be a little bit more active on there. Um, anytime somebody mentions one of my books, I try to take that time to acknowledge and signal boost that because it's, it's very much like what we were talking about at cons. You know, if you just acknowledge people and you thank them for taking the time to support your work, that's how you build fans. Um, you know, that can be the thing that kind of tips somebody over the net if they decide, well, I've only got enough money to buy 10 comics. You know, you, you know, them having that connection to you might be the thing that makes, keeps you in that, that, in those 10 comics. Um, you know, Kickstarter was a, a really helpful thing for me where I was sort of able to build on my direct market following and, you know, kind of say, oh, well, there's a whole other contingent of readers that wouldn't be going to cons, that wouldn't be going to comic shops. But if they liked my work on the OZ, they'd give Scouts Honor a shot. And I know for, for a fact that, um, the the OZ uh, contingent really stepped up and came out for Scouts Honor um, in part because this was sort of happy circumstance, but they they are very much a shot and chaser kind of books. Um, they 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 have enough in common um, thematically and, and stylistically that people would be like, oh well, if I like this, I'm definitely going to like this. Um, I, I feel like you know beyond that, um, you know, it's just been really, you know, focusing on my publicity ground game, um, you know, and, and so, you know, uh, really pounding the pavement, hitting up all as many websites as I can um, to talk about what, what David was saying earlier. Um, 
I, I'm so glad that he, he talked about the rule of like, you know, you need to see the thing seven times before it really starts to, to crystallize. Um, and I, I'm a, a big believer in that. Um, that's why, you know, a lot of times I will kind of butt heads with other publicity folks who say, well, you know, we just want to shoot for io9 or we just want to shoot for the Hollywood Reporter or we just want to shoot for CBR or Newsarama or whatever. And all of those sites are great. Don't get me wrong. And like, you have to pick who you're going to, you know, give an exclusive to. I, I, I get that. But one article will never make or break. It doesn't matter where you're at. Um, you know, there are a handful of sites that you, you know, you might get like a little bit of an extra push, like maybe like an IO9 or a deadline, but, uh, really even those, it's just a tiny tipping of the needle. Like it's really, I, I think it's it, publicity is a numbers game. Um, and so for me, I, I always say like, it doesn't matter how, how big or small the podcast or the outlet is. Um, if it gets one, if it gets me on one new reader's radar, it was worth the time. Um, so I, I feel like those things combined and paradoxically, as much as I love conventions and I miss them tremendously, I, I find that not having to do the travel and not having to do sort of the exhaustive pitching and recovery from that, it's allowed me to kind of reevaluate and refocus both on my work, but also kind of how do I promote my work from home? Um, you know, even down to designing a new website. Uh, you know, I have, I have a website now with a web store. And so anytime that I, I do a podcast, I say, oh, well, you know, you can go to davidpepos.com and you can buy anything that I've got on the stands right now, um, or you can buy it at your local comic shop. And those that usually tends to help kind of get the word out. But just kind of knowing, like we've been saying this whole time, it's a long game, um, you know, and and just knowing that, like, you may not get the customer, you may not get this press outlet, you may not get this publisher this time, but, you know, you keep taking swings and more and more people notice. Uh, the goal is to, to, to work hard enough that you don't have to introduce yourself anymore. But until then, keep working hard and keep introducing yourself to everybody. That's kind of my mentality. Carrie, Carrie Fisher called it your middle name. Yeah. You know, you know, for a long time, she was Carrie Debbie Reynolds' daughter, Fisher. Then she mm -hmm. was Carrie Star Wars Fisher. Then she was Carrie Princess Leia Fisher. She's like, the minute you no longer have a middle name, that's when you've actually made it, when they yeah. realize they don't need to tell you who you are. One thing I wanted to wrap up from earlier before moving on to the pandemic thing, that collegiality, when you're, when you're at a con tabling with other people, being the hype man for other for your friends like as much time as i spend at my own booth i will also like hang out at my friends booths and say oh yeah it's a great comic you should read that it's not a zero sum game if they buy a copy of going to the chapel from david's booth i have not necessarily lost a sale right. from my table they might actually go, oh, that was that guy that was hanging out and joking around with David Pepos. Let me look at what he has. And that is an incredibly valuable thing. And there's this idea that people who are on the, for want of a better word, outside of the entertainment industry, they want to believe that show business, movies, television, comics is just a big party and we all love each other. And the more you reinforce that, the happier they are. The last couple of times I've run into Chaikin at conventions, we've sung show tunes together. And I post those on Instagram and they get a huge response because people want to see Howard Chaikin singing a show tune 
with some nobody. Like, that's funny. That's a, but it creates this illusion. And it's not always an illusion, obviously, because here we all are. It creates this illusion of one big happy family. And, you know, as Ryland has kind of said earlier, the reason we did this podcast was partially to replace what we were all missing from cons of us hanging out at each other's tables and us have hang you know hanging out at bars afterwards and the idea behind this was to give people who were missing cons both professionals and fans the opportunity to be like well this is this is a little piece of that experience that we haven't had in a year and that we're t- still trying to have and uh, you know as as pepo said it is this transition to the all digital world and still making it feel personable and warm and human. I'm exactly like him. I go on, you know, every once in a while I'll Google someone just to make sure I'm not going on, you know, NaziComicsLovers.com or whatever. <laughs> but, yes. Uh, you know, every once in a while you just have to be, you have to be absolutely certain um, that you're, you're not, you know, walking into a trap. But uh, I'll pretty much go on any podcast uh, and talk to any fan and exactly what Peppa said. If one person listening to it buys a comic, they might be a fan for life. They might be literally they might be potentially thousands of dollars in income for me. So make that, you know, and it's the same principle. It is literally exactly the same principle as talking to a fan at a table. If you're. If you're willing to spend a half hour talking to a fan at a table, you should be willing to spend an hour on a podcast. Yeah, well, small podcasts become big, big podcasts. Every That's big podcast thing. was a small podcast first. The other thing I'll say is that small podcasts have very like loyal and enthusiastic followings. Like my 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 craziest, and I, I'm saying crazy in like the best way. My most enthusiastic and active fans came. Uh, from small podcast appearances that, that I've done. I'm, I, I watch it on Kickstarter. It's like they, they saw me on Lost in Comics, which you know has like 2,000 subscribers. Great show. You should totally go and subscribe to it and, and, and listen to it and watch it. Um, but you know they, ha- they have 2,000 subscribers, but they are all bouncing off the fucking walls like they're watching it live while it's going. And they're awesome. And if you can go on and you can connect with that audience and, 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 you, and you can, you know, you can let them know that your, your book is worthwhile. I mean, they will, they will be there every fucking time, you know? So, so I think that, you know, you, you, you can go on a big podcast and it's not like that, you know, they don't have these like lunatic, and again, I mean that in the best way, fans that are, that are going to come and fight for you. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, mm-hmm. so, you, you know, um, uh, those, those smaller venues are great. You know, uh, you know, again, if you see, you know, if you see Tom Waits, uh, you know, at the fucking forum, it's one thing. But if you see Tom Waits in a, uh, you know, in a a 50 seat club, it's totally a different thing. You know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? You you feel like you have, uh, you know, you guys have bumped souls or something like that. And and I think that, you know, I think that carries over with some of these kind of smaller podcasts. You're you're playing a smaller room and you're just connecting better, you know? Absolutely. And I, I, I always recommend like find, find your fans. Don't necessarily wait for them to come for you. I use the Facebook groups a lot. When I was writing a Doc Savage thing for uh, Dynamite, I found three or four Doc Savage groups on Facebook. I mean, they had maybe a couple hundred people each in them. The only time I've ever been a guest of honor, all expenses paid at a convention 
was the Doc Savage Con in Phoenix, Arizona in 2017. Incredible. Uh, and that was entirely an outgrowth of me going on the page, clicking join, and saying, hey, guys, I got a Doc Savage comic out. Hope you like it. <laughs> and, and, you know, and they were thrilled out of their minds, and it was a really fun con, and they were, you know, to find people obsessed with a character from the 1930s uh, who are still alive is is pretty amazing but i think no matter what you do i mean yeah it's easier when you're working with licensed characters or whatever but no matter what you do there is a fan group at least tangentially related to what you're doing uh even on your original ip there is there is something you know pepos is the master of saying do you like calvin and hobbs do you like quentin tarantino do you like x y or z and that's basic that's hollywood 101 of you know, do you like X? Here's X plus one. Here's X plus Y that that should appeal to you. Yeah. And uh, and that's another way to replace the fan experience of conventions is find the fans who dig the thing that's like the thing that you make and say, hey, you like, you know, you like this? You should probably like this. Christy, how are you... Uh... How are you compensating for the uh, the loss of cons and, uh, and and the lack of tabling? I think I I kind of like just post like once or twice a day, Monday through Friday. I have my lunch hour, so that's every day. And then I have a two-hour show on uh, Artist Alley Shopping Network. But usually, if somebody leaves a comment, I'll see it, and then they'll say, "Oh, do you have a print of this?" or "Where can I get a print of that?" I said, "Oh, you can get it here," and then I'll point them that direction. Um, also, another way to actually compensate for that is like rent a Kickstarter. Yeah. And I've been doing pretty good on that. Um, like right now, I haven't thought about what I would want to do at this moment for a Kickstarter, but I'm sure it'll come to me. It's just that it's sort of one of those things I have to kind of be inspired to do. And that kind of sounds weird, but it's like seriously like inspiration in a lot of things. It's like if you feel like it's not doing anything, your heart's not going to be in it. So right now I'm kind of seeing like what comes into my fevered little mind and then goes from there. I mean, the, the, the really yeah. interesting th thing about Kickstarter right now is, you know, I mean, it, it, it is a way to move a new title. You know, I, I, I've done it twice uh, in this past year with uh, the Peacekeepers and, and, and with the Jump. Um, but now that Kickstarter allows add-ons and obviously with Backer Kit, um, your entire library is in play, right? I mean, you run a Kickstarter and you are, it is, it is like doing a con but almost better because, because people only come on Kickstarter to find comics to buy, you know? Um, and, and it is an audience that, you know, you don't regularly have contact with, you know, uh, uh, we've said this a hundred times and I think this originally comes from Charlie Stickney, but um, there is an audience that buys comics in a comic shop and there's an audience that buys comics on Kickstarter and there's a little bit of crossover, but not nearly as much as you think. And so there's this huge untapped audience out there that kind of seems to double in size every fucking month. Um, but these are people that maybe they missed out on Aberrant. They missed out on Banjax, right? Um, and so, and I have them. You talk about that tractor beam, you know, I, I, I just, I put, I put my Kickstarter page up there. I made a good pitch and they're fucking there. They're sitting in my store and it is then my duty to put as much stuff in front of them without overwhelming them as possible. So, so, um, I am currently building the Kickstarter page for the jump, uh, issue two. Um, which will probably, uh, uh, you know, debut sometime in, in March. Look out for that. Um, but 
it is a a you know you have your big pitch for the jump up front uh but also it's like hey we we you know we did all this stuff too you know we did aberrant that that won a, a ringo award and was nominated for two others we did banjax which was nominated for four ringo awards including best series we ran this other kickstarter for the peacekeepers which uh which you know was a a, a big success and, and and people seemed to love it um and then in an in an instant they they have been pitched every single one of your books and and and, and what i'm finding is you know they're there they're buying peacekeepers or they're buying the jump, but they're also saying like, you know what? Aberrant sounds interesting. Let me add that. Uh, uh, you know, um, Banjack sounds really interesting. Let me add that. Let me add that. And, and, and you talk about building that brand, like Kickstarter is such a shortcut. I mean, it's like, it's, it's, um, what would normally take you, you know, seven interactions. It can happen. It can happen with, 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 with one land on your site. It's, it, it is it is such an amazing tool, and if you're not doing it, you're not doing it right. You know? And and also, you know, there's been a lot of great community building there. I know that uh, I'm pretty sure I gave Pepos Drawing Blood number one yeah. to give as a giveaway for his Kickstarter, and it's gotten to the kind of comical degree. If you back a lot of Kickstarters from the same group of friends, I'm pretty sure I've been <laughs> offered. Banjax number one for free. I think I have 20 downloads of it from 20 different <laughs> And there's nothing wrong yeah. with that. That's great. Yeah. But every once in a while I get the, here are your digital rewards. And I look through the 20 digital rewards. And I'm like, yeah, I read all of those. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Know? I've had copies of those for a year now. But it's great that, you know, for the people that, where it's their, you know, if the OZ was their first Kickstarter they backed, then they never saw a, drawing blood and they never saw a banjax and they never like yeah. they never saw anything else and so that uh that a bit that is basically the online equivalent of, of us all being in the same ghetto in artist alley and me going oh head over to rylan stable his stuff yeah. is great and christy being you know on my right and you know yelling something funny while someone's at my table and me sending them a, you know like it's the same uh it's the same energy just in a slightly more uh ones and zeros kind of a way but it's it's you know it's it's how we're all how we're all keeping alive and keeping this sense of community and and, and you talk about building uh building loyalty with fans i mean it can happen so quickly on on a kickstarter i mean it's like you know you can you can I mean, you can gain a fan for life with one five-minute interaction at a con table, right? Oh, totally. Um, the, the, the beauty yeah. of a Kickstarter campaign, it, it, it is a month-long conversation with fans at a con table. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, you are you are readily available. Anytime they want to message you, uh, they can. And if you're a, a, a good creator, then you're you're enthusiastically messaging back. And it, it is this conversation between fans. And, and and they are if you're doing it right, they are a part of the process. They are helping you build the book, bring the book to life, uh, add more material to the book. Um, uh, uh, literally, the book would not exist if they didn't back it, right? Um, and so they are invested in this thing, and um, and and you see it on Kickstarter all the time. It's they you know they come back and they come back and they come back. You know, I have a. I have fans that uh, on Kickstarter that you know every go round they are going to buy a, they are going to buy a commission every go round they're going to buy a draw in you know um, uh, that that's that's you know that is loyalty right there that's that's uh, you know those yeah. are those are big fans and 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 you know without those people uh, I wouldn't be able to do any of this I mean that's 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 amazing and so again I no, think and, that and, um, 
and taking them seriously when they reach out and responding quickly. Uh, you know, my partner, Ben Bishop, who draws Drawing Blood, but is really like the secret engine behind the Kickstarters because Kevin and I are both too old to put the <laughs> energy into it that Ben does. Ben is, you know, easily a decade and change younger than me and Kevin. And so he's he's got energy to do it that we simply lack. Uh, but like if one person posts, hey guys, how's it going? On our Kickstarter page, I get a message from Ben saying, you got to do an update, man. <laughs> I'm like, nice. really? From the one guy asking? I was like, I could just answer that guy. And he's like, no, let's do an update. And, you know, sometimes I think that's too much. But he's also not wrong. <laughs> you know, the the it's it's almost like it's the same energy. The one thing people can't stand across the board in relationships, in business, in anything, is silence. And anything you can do to beat silence, anything you can do to say, I heard you. It's exactly, you know, if you're a writer and you think you're going to blow a deadline, the thing you do, I mean, first you try not to do it, but the worst thing you can possibly do is blow a deadline in silence. Nine times out of ten, if you send the editor an email saying, hey, you know, I'm, I'm fucking around with the last five pages and I want it to be great. And right now it's not great. Can I have another day or two to finish this thing? 99% of the time they'll say, okay, man, that's fine. Uh, but if you stay silent and don't say, oh, hey, I'm about to blow my deadline, they will never hire you again. Yeah. Like it's, it's a very simple thing and communication is key. And communication with fans is key. And now that we've lost that at conventions, you know, that that speed of like, I hear you and I hear your concern and I hear whatever it is you're trying to tell me. And uh, responding to that, like, again, that's fan for life material. Um, if you just, I mean, and again, as advice to human beings across the board, Literally, the two words of advice that work in every human interaction is pay attention. Yeah. That's it. You pay attention to someone, they'll love you forever. And I don't mean pay attention like, you know, showering them with fulsome praise. It's just like sincerely hearing, sincerely hearing what they're telling you and sincerely responding to it. There is no currency greater than that there is no human currency there is no there is nothing more valuable to another human being than believing that they have been heard and taken seriously and that's what cons are that's what kickstarter comments are that's what you know dms on twitter are like all of that is i if you ignore it for a month you've also lost a friend a fan for life Hey Don, how are you? Uh, how are you filling the void? Uh, uh, I've been joking with a lot of people that I've just uploaded my consciousness onto nice. the internet. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I keep a lot of odd hours, uh, especially lately being on uh, three projects at the same time. Uh, I helped out with Carla Gadecki's uh, Duplicate comic, which has got about a week left on it. So uh, I'm part of uh, her Kickstarter campaign. So if you pledge out a hundred dollars, there's I did seven cards. I don't know how many are left, but you could pick up one of my sketch cards uh, at, at that tier as a bonus to uh, picking up some fantastic uh, exclusive covers and variants that she has. But I'm trying to just uh, keep my hand on the 
pulse of everything. And, you know, I've always said it, I like to have my hands in as many cookie jars as possible. So whenever the chance comes up to do commissions, I'm, I'm trying to work that in uh, while I'm working on the book that I have going on with Michael Tanner, which I'm almost finished. We're doing a comic called Battle Grapple, which was supposed to be pitched at Comic-Con uh, last year. Uh, but now we're just going to fully render it out and uh, pitch that or possibly take it to crowdfunding. Uh, you know, like we've all been talking about, we have a community there. And, uh, you know, I love Kickstarter and that community uh, and how uh, a lot of us support each other on that. And then uh, working on writing Pablo number two. So look forward to doing that. And then a project that I'm part of, Retro, which was a short film that debuted at the Dances with Film Festival uh, in 2019. Nice turning that into a comic uh, with my friend Aaron Lindenthaler and his friend Reno uh, Wilson, who's on Good Girls and was on Mike and Molly. So he'll be the titular character uh, for that because uh, they've already shot some of the live action stuff uh, for their, their sizzle reel, uh, pitch reel. And um, yeah, I think that's going to be a great book as well. And just doing going through the thumbs for that. So just trying to keep busy uh, is all I can do. Um, and that has sort of taken over the fact that, you know, we'd be doing cons. I think David Peppas had talked about it before. It's, you know, the pandemic has given a lot of times to reevaluate things. And thankfully for me, it's just to finish out projects that, you know, I wouldn't have time to if I was doing conventions. Right. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, I don't think we'll be doing cons anytime soon until everybody is vaccinated and there's greater herd immunity. And I don't think the earliest I could foresee that happening would probably be like, sometime in the fall like november so uh until then it's just you know like all of you guys are talking about it's just keeping an online presence uh not having awkward pauses uh for people if you will uh you know just let people know that you're there that you still have stuff coming out that you're doing stuff uh and try to be as involved in in the moment as possible um you know for whatever you're doing i think it's really the best solution and i've you know, I've been very fortunate. Um, I have a very good network, obviously. All of you are part of my network. Uh, so work work keeps coming through. And, you know, like uh, Chrissy said, we still have fans that just every now and then they pop up out of nowhere and they request commissions. So, you know, make those relationships, establish them, because um, best case scenario, you'll have a fan for life. Um, and, you know, that's, that's the part that I miss is, like, you can't interact uh, with a lot of fans. And I know a lot of us have done the online convention thing. Um, I was very fortunate that I had a really good turnout for San Diego uh, Comic Con at home. But, you know, some of them pay out, some of them don't pay out. Um, but again, it's a numbers game. So I just try to find as many things to be involved with as possible. Um, like I just joined, uh, you know, Jen King, who is, has the Space Cadets Collectible Collectible out in Texas. She started uh, the EXP Expo, so uh, was proud to be a part of that. That was a fantastic experience with a, a bunch of amazing creators like Mark Bagley, uh, Dan Jurgens uh, was involved in that. Um, and also uh, comicsplex.com uh, was another one. So uh, if you guys haven't already joined that, that's another another really good network. But yeah, you know, in, in this day and age, we're just kind of isolated and staying at home just to keep safe, keep our, our friends and family safe. I think we just look for different means and methods of outreach and putting ourselves out there and trying to get a greater greater amount of exposure. So that's the only thing I can think of right now. 
No, those are you know those are those are solid things, and I think you're, I think you're right, and I think that's a that's a good place to wrap it up because that's you know that's essentially where we've landed is, yeah. you know, to 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 keep your brand and yourself alive and lively to your fans. You know, we've all kept work flowing out in the past year. Um, you know, I said to someone last week, anyone who uh, anyone who tries to make you feel bad about your your productivity in 2020 is an asshole because uh, it was not the the Black Plague came and you only wrote one novel. What the hell's wrong with you? Uh, but uh, you know. But all that said, I think, you know, uh, for some of us, I know for me, work is actually the thing that makes it, that made it survivable. Yep. Uh, I, I mean, I went so far as to write a satire about the pandemic and that helped me survive the experience was having something to work on that reflected how I felt about where the world was at right at this exact moment. Um, but uh, all that said, we usually we usually end by going around and saying, "What do you what are you working on, and where can people find you?" And let's start with you, David. Yeah, um, well, you can find my uh, my new book, Scouts Honor, uh, from Aftershock Comics. The first two issues are available now wherever comics are sold. You uh, can also pre-order uh, issues four and five um, with the pre-order codes Feb two one zero nine nine zero and MAR211013. Uh, issue 3 should be coming out, I believe it's March 14th, um, or whatever that Wednesday is. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Twitter and Instagram at PeposD, David Pepos Comics on Facebook. You can subscribe to my newsletter, Pep Talks, at bit.ly slash pepnews. Look at you, Rylan's got both copies of Scouts on her right there. Uh, and last but not least, um, uh, you can also visit my website, davidpepos.com. Um, if you want to buy any of my books and uh, you don't have a comic shop near you. Does he have the patch though? No. Oh, I don't know. With the patch. What's the patch? I guess. Oh I don't yeah. We, we, uh, any, any store that orders more than 10 copies of scouts honor, uh, will get a limited edition Ranger scout merit badge. Um, oh. and we have, uh, I believe we have, uh, 14 of them. Um, so they will wow. be, uh, they will be, uh, all over the place, uh, with different issues and other sorts of different giveaways. And so, uh, yes, tell your local comic shop. order, order heavy, collect them all. That's yeah. They're really, that was a really cool program. Thank you. Don, how about you? I know you gave us somewhat of a wrap up, uh, when we, <laughs> when we posed the question of what's going on with you, but where can people find you? Uh, I'm obviously very well branded. You can find me on most social media under winning it, which is my last name, N-G-U-Y-E-N-I-N-G-I-T. Uh, you can also find my shop at winningit.com, which will redirect you to my Etsy store. There you can pick up uh, Pablo the Gorilla with its Dustin Witt variant cover, uh, among <laughs> other things. Uh, I also am a part of a book that a lot of you are all a part of, uh, Nightmare Theater, should be coming yep. out this year. Uh, I'm part of the group Sketchy Bugs, uh, based out of the comic book in Manhattan Beach, and our book Danger Arcade should be publishing soon, uh, as uh, Ed Dukesher, who's a boom letter, is doing the final touches on that book. Um, so nice. please look out for that. And like I said, I have a book with uh, Michael Tanner uh, that we're working on. Uh, Pablo number two, I'm in the middle of writing, and then Retro, so look out for those projects, please. Um, yeah, I'm just, I mean, I'm always online and I'm always uh, promoting. And also, please do drop by uh, Duplicate. Just uh, look for it on Kickstarter from uh, Carly Gadecki. She's a fantastic writer. It's a fantastic book um, that 
is a little scary for the time, uh, the times that we're in. So I think everybody uh, will enjoy it if you haven't seen it yet. Um, yeah, and that's that's where I'm at right now. I, I literally but, just realized that you're not Dustin Nguyen. I think we, we, we may have to re-record this thing. <laughs> I, I, I want to mention that uh, by the time this gets on the quote-unquote air, Carla's Kickstarter will be over, but the duplicate, uh, it may be in backer kit, you may be able to track it down. I she also, also wanna, I also have to ask if I'm the first asshole to say that the, when Dustin Wynn does a cover for you, is that a win-win scenario? It totally is. <laughs> okay. Incredible. I just, I, just Incredible. I, you know, I, I, I write puns for a living. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't let that, the win-win joke go. Oh, you uh, could, yeah. Where can people find you? Moby. Uh, it is www.horatorystudios.com. Like I have the name down there at the bottom. Uh, Demon Bitch is also found on Webtoons. That link is also on Horatory Studios, but you can find it, Demon Bitch, but it has a exclamation instead of the I. Uh, all the, st the stores link there, so you can get a personally autographed book by me of Demon Bitch or any of the other things. Prints and commissions are also offered there, too. Uh, as for kicks, I'm also involved in the Nightmare Theater book. Uh, with Don. So that's coming out. And I guess it is coming out when he says it's coming out. I'm kind of, I've been kind of like isolating myself and kind of working on my own thing. So it's been kind of interesting, but it's kind of interesting how this path is coming out, but I haven't been kind of just self ensconced right now, but you can find me doing that as far as I know. And then lunch hour is uh, Monday through Friday, generally 1230 to 130. PM Pacific Standard Time on Facebook, Twitch, TV, and YouTube, and those links can be found on my website. Yeah, you're about to leap off to do that. Your uh, your double book. You're going to be doing like five hours of podcasting uh, uh, today. It's amazing. It's very it's, impressive. It's a fair comp. That's what I guess. That's what they say. You know, like when things are going to happen, they say it's a fair comp. <laughs> Get her so, done. Ryland. I am uh, Ryland Grant, uh, uh, at Ryland Grant on all forms of social media. It's R-Y-L-E-N-D-G-R-A-N-T. I always spell it because it's not a real name. My parents drunkenly arranged letters and saddled me with it. Uh, my um, Ringo Award-winning uh, book, Aberrant, and my Ringo-nominated book, Banjax, can be found in fine comic shops everywhere and on Amazon and Comixology and all sorts of fun places like that. Uh, my Kickstarter books, which I men mentioned previously, uh, The Jump and The Peacekeepers uh, are available now via Backerkit. Uh, if you go to the Peacekeepers, one word, dot backerkit.com, you can find everything with, uh, uh, as well as some of those cool, uh, crazy con variants from Everett and Banjax and all sorts of sign stuff. Like I was talking about, um, The Jump issue two uh, is going to be on Kickstarter uh, sometime in March. Um, this is going to air sometime in March, uh, so it's kind of a weird uh, temporal uh, situation. I don't know quite where we'll be, but uh, there may be info in the show notes right now in terms of that. So the other thing I want to plug is interesting. Uh, this book, Backable, uh, uh, debuted. Um, it came out yesterday by uh, my friend Sunil Gupta, who um, uh, was one of the original partners at um, Groupon and then went on to found a, a company called Rise, uh, uh, which just sold for a bumble, bundle, but he wrote this book called Backable uh, with the subheading, The Surprising Truth Behind What Makes People Take a Chance on You. And we were talking about kind of marketing ourselves uh, uh, all, um, you know, all show here. And this is a great kind of how-to manual in terms of, uh, of, of selling yourself, selling your idea. It's incredible. But um, 
I plug it here not just because it's a great book. Um, it's a it's an Amazon bestseller right now. It'll probably be a New York Times bestseller also. But um, uh, I uh, my film and TV writing partner and I are featured in the book. Uh, the story oh. on how we sold uh, uh, our story Thief Coach to Justin Lin. Uh, with a little help from uh, Derek Haas, who um, is best known for creating all of the uh, uh, the Chicago uh, uh, television series, uh, nice. Chicago Fire. Chicago. Um, anyway, that that story is told uh, in here uh, in a very kind of funny and interesting way. So uh, so pick it up; it's it's pretty cool. Um, uh, I was uh, I was reading through it yesterday, and uh, I was laughing my ass off. It's a great book, great information. So check it out. That that does sound great. I'll have to check that out. I am David Avalone. I'm easily found at davidavalonefreelance.com. Um, and there you can be splintered off to all of the various social medias and, uh, and things. I, I, won't, I won't bother giving all of those uh, here since you can find them that easily. The one, uh, the one positive sign of having an unusual name is I'm the first 10 pages of Google for quote David Avalone quote quote so uh not hard to find and uh as far as upcoming I got a new Elvira series that's I'm almost done writing and they still haven't announced it yet so maybe it'll be in previews by the time you hear this maybe it won't finishing up the fourth issue of it in the next couple of days uh and some more some more stuff coming from uh me and Eastman in the next year as well and probably a Kickstarter or two, so keep an eye out for that. Until then, come back next week for the next exciting episode of The Writer's Block. Thanks for Thanks listening, for guys. Us, guys. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, guys. If you're watching us on YouTube, be sure to smash that like button. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or other fine purveyors of ear crack, please leave us a five-star review. And wherever you're watching and or listening, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. We'll see you back here next week for more madcap hijinks on The Writer's Block. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.